Good morning. Hello. Well, we got some West Coasters here. Good morning. I know it's an early one. I'm glad you're here. That's great. Let's see if I can get this. Hold on. Best chair up any higher. I'm just trying to get centered in this frame. Good morning. I got my flu boost, well, my flu shot and my booster, my Pfizer booster yesterday. Um, and I was up middle of the night with like feeling very feverish and, uh, just body aches everywhere. So that sucked, but I feel fine this morning. So I'll probably take a nap later today. Might take a nap. Might take a morning nap. I love getting, I love living life on the edge and taking a morning nap. And then I probably will take a second nap during my acupuncture session this afternoon. So, great. I hope you guys have gotten your booster or have it scheduled. Always bopping to that intro song. It's a bop. It's a bop. Hello to you in Canada. Are you talking about my haircut? It's not a haircut. I just, it's just back here. Sorry. I just have a side part today, which is rare for me. But I honestly, okay. This might be a hot take, but I think center parts are going by, by the way, going to the wayside. I think center parts are out. I think side parts are coming back in. Same way that tiny eyebrows are coming back in. The same way that low rye pants are here. Can confirm I went to a bar a few weeks ago. Didn't realize it was like mainly for 22-year-olds. And everyone there was in low rise jeans and a crop top. And there were some thick girls in low-rise jeans and crop tops, which is great and would have been unheard of in the early 2000s, so you do love to see it. But as a millennial girly, rubs me the wrong way. But the side part, I'm ready. I'm ready for the change. The center part feels stale. <sighs> oh, yeah. We love people showing up for their first lives. Welcome. Welcome. Low rise is pure anxiety. How do you keep it all in there? Are your butt cracks like two inches long? All right. Do I have anything else I wanted to say to you guys? I don't think so. Moira's joined us. She's sitting right behind. Oh, Moira. I have a new tactic. Um, so she has two problematic behaviors that I'm trying to rid her of. One is that she likes to attack my cat. Sometimes they're very sweet to each other. Sometimes Moira tries to bite her face off. And so there's that. And then also Moira has a humping problem. My daughter, the harlot. My cheap, cheap daughter. She'll hump anyone who walks through the door. Electricians. My friends. Perfect strangers. Doesn't matter. She'll hump them. And I had a, I had a, a dog trainer come and try to teach me how to do it and it isn't working and it didn't really fit right with me. And then my friends, Nate and Lena, who I went and hung out with this weekend. Hi, Nate and Lena. Um, they have a lovely dog and they said that they tried a squirt bottle on him. They had to do it like once or twice. Worked a charm. He doesn't jump on anyone now who comes in the house. So have my squirt bottle here just in case Moira hasn't the idea of attacking bubbles because bubbles just entered the room um and it feels mean and I hate doing it but Moira hates the squirt bottle and it doesn't hurt her it's just enough to annoy her enough to make the habit go away maybe 
So we'll see. I know probably there's a lot of dog trainers or people with dog training that might be saying like, no, that's not the way. I don't care and I don't want to hear it. I've tried so many things and I'm so tired. Having a dog is so hard. You got to do what you got to do. You know what I mean? Cool. Great. We're going to jump into the headlines. Um, as you probably saw from the title of today's video, we are going to be talking about Trump and Musk because they are both having no good, very bad months, it appears. And we're going to start, of course, with Trump o'clock. Trump o'clock. Let's see. Let me find, let me find my notes here. Let me, uh, let me show you. Oops, that's not what I want. Let me show you guys my screen so you guys can see this sweet, sweet headline. There she is. Great. Okay. Trump has filed a lawsuit against the New York Attorney General, Letitia James. We love her. We've talked about her. We've heard of her. But he filed it in Florida, not in New York. And the lawsuit is aimed at stopping Letitia James's lawsuit in New York related to him and the Trump organization. It's a civil lawsuit. Not to be confused with the criminal lawsuit currently in trial against the Trump organization, but not against Trump himself. Two separate things. You got trial in, in Manhattan going on right now against the Trump organization, a criminal trial. And then you've got Letitia James, the AG of New York, a civil indictment. Is that what you call it? A civil lawsuit against both the Trump org, but also Trump himself as a person. So this is getting personal, you know, and she's trying to basically get proof that he and his children and his organization committed what she is calling staggering fraud um, and then bar them from ever running a business in New York again. That's her that's her end goal. And his end goal is he filed his lawsuit in Florida trying to stop her lawsuit in New York. And if you're wondering why Florida and how does that work? Exactly. So are all of us. So is everyone else. His own lawyers, <laughs> Trump's own lawyers were like, this is a bad idea. Please don't make us do this. Some of them called it frivolous and said it would fail. A lawyer interviewed for this article here said that the lawsuit is objectively frivolous objectively frivolous and saying, I'm aware of no authority that allows a state court in Florida to enjoin or otherwise interfere with a law enforcement investigation being conducted by New York state authorities. Basically saying it like Florida doesn't have the authority to go into New York state and say, stop what you're doing. That's not how, that's not how our, like the basic tenets of how our country functions, you know? Yeah. So in this lawsuit, in the underlying lawsuit, the New York State lawsuit or the New York AG lawsuit, Letitia James's lawsuit, a judge just granted James's request to stop Trump from transferring assets and to appoint a monitor to make sure he doesn't. Basically, the, ju the judge found it uh, credible when Letitia James said, hey, I don't trust that he's not going to do some sketchy shit now that this lawsuit's out. So I need you to have a third party monitor go in and make sure he doesn't. And the judge was like, yeah, you're probably right. So not great for Trump. I think that additional loss probably fueled this anger that led him to file this frivolous Florida lawsuit. 
Um, and now Letitia James has sent a separate letter to the, the judge in her New York case saying that this new Florida lawsuit clearly demonstrates that Trump was attempting to shield the key documents governing the structure of his business conglomerate and ownership of his business assets from review. Like, not only are these Florida, Florida lawyers potentially committing malpractice for filing a frivolous lawsuit, you can't do that when you're a lawyer, um, they're also potentially, potentially, potentially undermining his credibility in the New York case. So it's like a double whammy potential loss for Trump here. And he just pushed it through, even though his own legal advisors, some of his top legal advisors were like, hey, don't do this. He pushed it through and the language in the complaint is like very, you know, Trumpy. It talks about the witch hunt. It kind of rambles like it's just clearly something he had his hands in that he wanted filed out of pure pettiness and spite. Uh, and it, it looks as though it's going to backfire and hopefully blow up in his face. Yeah, yeah. What credibility, indeed. Whatever remaining shreds he might have had could very well be gone with this new lawsuit. And yeah, go for it. <laughs> the sea can have Florida. Um, I don't. Their names are in this uh, article. It's a. It's a um, Florida law firm. I don't remember what it was, but yes, a Florida law firm. There's three lawyers listed. Three lawyers somehow willingly listed their own names. Let's see. Here's the lawsuit. Maybe. I don't know if it's going to load. All right. Not loading. Great. Anyway, it's a mess, and I hope it continues to be more of a mess. <laughs> what? Trump did something stupid against the advice of professionals? Lots of money, mainly, is how he handles that many lawsuits. So, that's Trump o'clock. That's the latest news. Moving on to uh, the downfall of man. Part two, in other news about men whose downfall has been fun to watch, Twitter. Apparently, just days after laying off half of the Twitter workforce, some of the employees that were laid off are now being asked to come back to work for Twitter because they were laid off mistakenly or some of the leaders at Twitter realized that they actually needed these laid off employees to implement the new features that Musk wants to create. Like, what a clusterfuck. Nothing is going right. Nothing is going right. Not to mention the fact that, that Elon just spent $44 billion on a company that is not profitable. And so he's trying and lost in investors or advertisers in the process because they're like, this guy fucking sucks. And this entire Twitter app is going to go into the fucking land my, landfill because everyone is going to start having just a free for all of like free speech. Use of the N-word skyrocketed like 500% on the app after news that he bought was officially bought it broke. 
It's a mess. And then also he's unveiling an $8 subscription that you can subscribe to to get the little blue check mark by your name, the verification mark. He's going to roll it out after the midterms tomorrow. Who's paying for that? Who 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 wants that blue check mark enough? Who needs the validation of that blue check mark enough that they're willing to pay $8 a month for it? I'd wager a bet certainly not enough people to make Twitter profitable again. And then on top of all of that, Twitter is now being sued in a proposed class action lawsuit by four of those laid off workers for not being given advance notice of the mass layoff. They are alleging that Twitter violated worker protection laws, including the Federal Worker Adjustment and Retraining Notification Act, or WARN, W-A-R-N, WARN Act, and the California version of the WARN Act. Both of those laws require 60 days of advance notice. And they got notice, like, Friday uh, when they got laid off. And the way that they laid the people off was that they were like, hey, starting Friday... We are going to lay start laying people off. We're not going to tell you personally whether or not you're laid off. You just need to check your email Friday morning, and you will either get an email to your Twitter email account saying you're fine, you're not being laid off, or if you are laid off, you will get an email to your personal email account because you will be locked out of the Twitter accounts effective immediately. That's how they found out that they were being laid off, via an impersonal email with immediate effect. And they're saying, no, this violates the 60-day notice requirement of the Federal WARN Act and the California WARN Act. And so this lawsuit is asking the court to prohibit Twitter from forcing laid-off employees to sign documents that would release their claims without informing them of this lawsuit. Basically saying, you can't make them sign something saying, I indemnify Twitter for blah, 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 without saying, hey, by the way, there's a class action lawsuit forming against us from former employees. And the lawsuit is seeking a range of relief, including compensatory damages like wages owed for those 60 days that they didn't inform them, as well as declaratory relief and attorney's fees and costs. And in case you're wondering, like I was, so 60 days advance notice as required under federal law only applies to specific instances of plant closings or mass layoffs, because I've certainly been laid off with no more than like a week's notice. So I was like, did my former employer violate the WARN Act? No, because it wasn't a mass layoff. That's where the line is, apparently. Let's take a look at your comments. Yeah, check your email, see if you have a job. Yeah, okay, it's a game show. Come on down. Yeah. 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 Tell me you hate your workforce without. Yeah. And Elon has done this same exact thing to Tesla employees within, I think, the last year. I believe there's a June 2020 loss, 2022 lawsuit. Yeah. Tesla was sued by former employees after a mass layoff in June 2022. Because Musk directed Tesla executives to pause all hiring and prepare for job cuts. They were never given advance warning and hundreds were laid off a couple weeks later. 
Um, yeah. Musk has exhibited time and again that he does not give a shit about his workforce. Obviously, labor costs are like the hugest drain on companies and the first thing that companies try to cut because they fucking hate paying people. And Musk is no different. I talk about this. I made a video over on my main channel about Musk and his ideals about the First Amendment. Like he considers himself a First Amendment absolutist, but he's really quick to sue whistleblowers from his own country, his own companies. Uh, try to square that with being a First Amendment absolutism where you think people should say whatever they want whenever they want, but you're going to sue people for defamation and for being a whistleblower. Interesting. Interesting. Like he's he's the First Amendment absolutist until it hurts him. And then he's willing to throw anyone, anyone under the bus. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Sorry. This is not what we're talking about, but I did these myself and I'm really proud. And I love this green so much. Free speech for me, but not for thee. That's right. Put that in the Constitution. Yeah, here's the thing about rich people. This is something that they talk about over on the financial diet with Chelsea Fagan. I watch it all the time. Um, she has, you know, worked for rich people and and done like a lot of research about rich people. And she made a, at least one video talking about how the more money you have, the more selfish and lacking in empathy you become. Because the more money you have, the more you can just pay other people to do things for you. And it takes it strips you of the humanity that is usually required of people because we don't have everything we could ever need. And we have to rely on our communities and our support networks to help us. If like we lost a loved one and we need a casserole delivered, delivered to our front door, or we're going out of town. So we ask our neighbors to keep an eye on our house or any tiny little things that build up to having a community. Rich people don't need that. They can just pay people for it. And so their connection to other humans erodes to the point where they lose the capacity for empathy. And that's why they all fucking suck. It's like a psychological disease <laughs> being rich. That being said, um, I did buy a few Powerball tickets this weekend. <laughs> the Powerball was up to $1.6 billion and no winning tickets were drawn this weekend. So there's a new drawing, I think, tonight for $1.9 billion. I can't put it anymore. It's, it was it was a, a, a fleeting, fun weekend activity, and I can't put any more money towards it because the odds of winning are silly. Um, but, you know, we're all a little hypocritical. Of course, I would love billions of millions and millions of dollars, but also I'm going to still scream about rich people. The tax on it is a lot, but so right now it's at 1.9 billion and the value of it, if you got the cash out, would still be like $988 million. So who wins in the, the most in the end? The federal government, of course. Of course. But yes, it goes from social interaction to fiscal transaction and it's cold and like there's no human element to it. It's just, it's gross. It's gross. Think of the good you could do with that amount. And what's funny is that that 1.9 billion 
doesn't even come close to Elon Musk's supposed net worth. Though I've been hearing a lot of talk about how his supposed net worth is tied to Tesla. And so a lot of his other business dealings and things he's doing all revolve around improving Tesla stock because that's what his net worth is tied to. I don't fully understand how that shit works, but. Seems slimy enough to be true. No tax on lottery winnings in the UK. Listen, I'm trying to get out of here. I'm trying to get out of here. All right. Uh, is that all I had to say to you about Musk? Yes. We're going to move on now to a case that is going to be before the Supreme Court on Wednesday. Um, it's an important case, so I wanted to do a little deeper dive into it. It's called Halland v. Brackeen. Halland v. Brackeen. Brackeen, this is the last name. It's going to be argued before the Supreme Court on Wednesday. It's important. It's related to the Indian Child Welfare Act of 1978, and it could lead to the act being declared unconstitutional. So at the center of this case is this little girl. Her initials are YRJ. In these types of adoption cases, you don't use the full name. You use the initials of the child. Her mother is Navajo, but she is living with a white evangelical Christian family who wants to adopt her in suburban Texas. The full details are that they adopted her brother or half-brother, same mother, before, and he's now seven. And so they're trying to adopt her because they wanted to foster children. They had two kids. They wanted to foster more children. And when they found out that she, that their son had a sister, they decided they wanted to adopt her. And basically this case pits the Brackeens, her want-to-be adoptive white family, and the state of Texas against the U.S. Department of the Interior and five native tribes. So the Navajo Nation is saying that this girl should only be adopted by indigenous people, not white people. And that's what the Indian Child Welfare Act says, that when a child who is eligible for tribal membership winds up in state foster care, the child should, whenever possible, be adopted by a tribal family. It was drafted, this law, the Indian Child Welfare Act, was drafted in the 1970s in response to over a century of Native children being forcibly removed from tribal homes by social workers, sent to government and missionary boarding schools, and then placed in white Christian homes. So the goal of the Indian Child Welfare Act is to promote reunification within the tribal nation of these children because it believes that it's in their best interest and it comes from a history of whitewashing Native culture and kidnapping Native children. The Brackeens, however, are saying that this law, the Indian Child Welfare Act, should be ruled unconstitutional because it's race-based. It's discriminating against them as white people and also non-Navajo people and Navajo children who they're saying are being hurt because of this. But the tribes are saying, do not classify us and affiliation in our tribe as a race. That's what this teeters on. Is the Navajo Nation, for example, 
a race, if you are a member of it, is that your race? Because they are saying that the law was written based on political classifications of us as a tribal nation, not a racial classification because we're native. And the reason that this is important is because if the tribal nations are reduced to a race of Indian people, then all of a sudden all of the treaties, properties, political rights, lands, police laws, their entire societal structure would be reduced to be based on race instead of based on the sovereign nation status given to tribes. And once all of those rights are reduced to being based on race, their constitutionality could all be called into question. Because again, people could claim that this is race-based discrimination against non-native peoples or whatever. And this is causing a lot of alarm in tribal nations and amongst Indian lawyers. It's called Indian law. I know that's an outdated, that's, but that's kind of what the general practice of law related to the tribal nations in the United States is called Indian law. And it has the potential to undermine the entire tribal nation system in the United States. Of course, the lawyers for the Burkines, the white family are saying these predictions are overblown. The trickle down effects are not going to be that bad. But I don't know. I'm going to lean in favor of believing the experts in Indian law here, personally. And at this point, it's really unclear how the Supreme Court is going to side on this case. Because it's, well, I was going to say it's not necessarily ideological, but because a white Christian family is involved here, and because it's based on race, it could become ideological as much as it shouldn't be. So right now they're saying that there, it's really unclear which way the justices will lean. Um, and oral arguments for this are on Wednesday. So I assume we'll get at least an inkling of an idea of how they're leaning based on oral arguments and the questions they ask during oral arguments. But at this juncture, it's pretty unclear which way this is going to go. I'm just reading your comments now. Um, let's see. Would that create an apartheid situation in the U.S.? I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't go that far. But I honestly don't. I don't think so. I don't know enough about apartheid, frankly, in South Africa to know. Yeah, it's really shitty that this one tiny little child is being put in the middle of this. I'm a family law lawyer, so I do things. I haven't done adoptions, honestly. That's like a specific area. But I do custody issues. Um, and uh, it always sucks. The child is always the one that loses, even though it's the best interest of the child or like central to any sort of evaluation of custody. The child is always the one that loses because it's a bunch of adults that are supposed to be their support system fighting in court. And a lot of times it gets petty and a lot of times it gets ugly. And a lot of times these parents reduce themselves to acting like children themselves. And it takes adults like lawyers and mediators to step in and be like, you guys need to cut it the fuck out <laughs> because you're hurting this child. But the child is always the one that loses.
Will this have any bearing on white people adopting black children or vice versa? I believe this is related only to indigenous people. This would hinge on whether or not indigenous people and native tribes specifically are considered a race or a political entity. So I don't think it would touch on that. Let's see. But yeah, this is, uh, it's, it's a complicated, there's not, this is again, one of the many examples that I like to bring to this channel of how there is not a comfortable right and wrong answer to things. Think of the children. Do I know whether there's a guardian ad litem for this child? I assume at one point there was, but I don't know. I haven't, I haven't read that far into the documents. Think of the children. Anyway, so that's that. That's what's happening. It goes to the Supreme Court on Wednesday. I'm really interested in this case. I really don't know much about Native American Indian law, uh, but it is fascinating. Um, so we'll see. I might listen to the oral arguments if I have the time. Um, in other news, in other news, um, I saw this article of Politico, six election security threats to watch for on election day. Let's talk about the election. I don't really have much to say other than please vote. Voting ends tomorrow. Tomorrow is election day. Tomorrow's your last chance to vote. Please vote. I will be doing it in person on election day. Because I love the thrill of civic engagement. I love getting my sticker on election day so I can walk around and feel better than ever, everyone else. Uh, so I'll be going tomorrow. Probably bright and early. Get a nice little morning walk in. Um, so this election security threats to watch for on election day. According to Politico, we're just going to look at the, the major topic headlines. Mis and disinformation. Yes, we have conspiracy theories swirling, swirling about the election and have for years at this point. Um, my next video comes out in my on my main channel, will come out on Wednesday, this Wednesday, um, and it'll be a part two to my TikTok reaction video. I did a reaction to alt-right TikToks a while ago, and it did really well, and there's so many, and I figured with the election happening, it'll be a hot topic. Um, and I find them really fascinating. So I might do like a whole series of TikTok reaction videos because I think they're endlessly entertaining um, and, and give a good insight into what's happening in our country, frankly. So mis and disinformation rampant. Crashing election office and campaign websites. Classic. Campaign social media account hijacking in order to alienate voters or spread false information about how or when to vote. Great. Cyber attacks on voter registration databases. Love it. Russian hackers breached Illinois' voter database in 2016, and Iran Iranian hackers penetrated a state database in 2020. Targeted voter harassment. Apparently, Iranian operatives have threatened voters in 2020 with unspecified consequences if they didn't vote to re-elect Donald Trump. Why? I don't understand why people in 
I get people in Russia, but why are people in Iran like really Iran? I, I, well, I grew up listening to George W. Bush say Iran, and so I can never say Iran and Iraq properly without really thinking about it. I don't know why people in Iran have much skin in this game, but sure. Wireless modems enabling hacks of voting machines or vote tallies. Basically, we're getting a lot of hacking. Hacking, misinformation. Those are the two things to look out for. Do your own research. Don't believe what you see on TikTok. And vote for the love of God. For the love of God. Yes. Poutine all day. I need comfort poutine tomorrow. Yes, the election has been wild. I've been getting multiple text messages every day from all sorts of people in parties telling me about stuff. It's just, we've had a whole thousands of requested mail-in ballots not delivered to voters who requested them here in Georgia. Yeah, it's, yeah, and then they, they're rejected for ridiculous reasons. Just vote. But also, yeah, it's kind of hard to have any faith in our democracy right now. And I have been seeing, you know, this is a complicated discussion, too. The idea of some people don't want to vote because they don't feel like the system represents them. And so why should they be forced to vote? And I haven't really looked, digged, really dug really deeply into this, but I don't agree with that ideology. But like, why should people be forced to vote? I don't think many of us participating in this democracy are particularly thrilled about it. And I think the two can exist at the same time. You can hate the system and feel it does not represent you, but also vote for the, the least awful person because it takes five fucking minutes of your time. You know? Um... I don't know. I'd be interested in reading more about that, about that opinion, but I don't agree with it. Because you're not being forced to vote. You're being given the opportunity to vote. And uh, there's a lot of places that don't have that as much as here it feels kind of like a fucking shit show right now. There are a lot of places where they, they don't have that at all. And I think it's important to try and have some form of hope even in the darkness. If you can't tell, I've been rereading Harry Potter. I just finished book four yesterday. Finished book four last night. Real sad. I'd, re I'd read it before, but I haven't reread the books since I read them for the first time as a teen. So it's been fun to reread them because there's so much that I forgot. Um, turns out they're still really entertaining. As much as we hate, we hate a J.K. Rowling, of course canceled. I'm not giving her more of my money. I just am reading the books that I had as a child. So So Harry Potter great. Sorry, I totally zoned out for a second. Um in other news, in other news. Uh let me see. Let me see. We're in consumption corner. Like I said, Powerball's up to 1.9 billion. In other news, 
Aaron Carter died over the weekend, which was quite a blow. He was my like first celebrity crush. He was the first concert I ever went to. I saw him at the grandstand at the Minnesota State Fair when I was like 10. I had a life-size poster of him in my bedroom that I drew little hearts and like kissy marks around. I thought we were going to get married. I loved we call the butt cut with the center. I thought he was so cute and so talented. So that was sad news. It seemed like he had been struggling. He has an 11-month-old child. He was found in the bathtub, potentially drowned, but might have been because of overdose. So sad. He, <laughs> he has to beat Shaq in heaven now. Anyway, that was sad. That was sad news. Yeah, he was only 34. Um, that's all I have for Consumption Corner. Please go vote. That's the last piece of anything that I have. Go vote. Um, if you haven't already, uh, keep an eye out for my new video, which will be posted on Wednesday, this Wednesday, part two, alt-right talk, TikTok reaction. This one was really fun. I, I watched it. I have editors, video editors, so I, I just watch what they make and then approve it. Um, and I watched it on Friday and it's good. I think it's fun. I think it's entertaining. I think it's kooky. And I think I'm going to do multiples. If this one does well, I think I'm going to keep doing more because there's so much content and I find it really enlightening to see this because you can't have a conversation with people on the alt-right usually, but watching a TikTok and then reacting to it creates a, a like some kind of conversation, you know, um, which I find interesting and helps to kind of unravel some of what's happening in this country, which I think is important. And so I'm going to keep doing it. There are so many people. I get these reactions from um, a Twitter account, account called at Living Blue Texas, Living Blue TX. And um, she has accumulated over 900 alt-right TikToks into a, into her Twitter threads. Um, so I didn't have to, I didn't have to ruin my algorithm to find them luckily, but like they just keep coming. There's so many. All right. I'm going to ramp this up. I'm going to maybe go take a nap or something. I hope you guys have a lovely Monday. It's Monday. Mondays are rough. We're going to get through it. We're going to get through it. And I will be back Thursday morning. Let me just double check my calendar and make sure that's true. Yes, I will be back Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m. Central Time to do this all over again. If you didn't catch the whole thing and you want to... This will still be available on the channel as its own video. And I also release these videos as a uh, podcast right after this. So you can get it by, I don't know how long it takes my podcast service to like process it, but within an hour or two after the end of this live stream, you can also listen via podcast. Just search live with Leja on wherever you get your podcasts. And it's also linked below. Um, thank you for being here. I hope everyone has a great day and a great week. Check out my new video Wednesday and I will see you back here live on Thursday morning. All right.
great. Have a good day. Bye-bye.